The irony of the whole thing, when you look back at it, is I was still massively bullied at school, and yet I was kicking ass. I could get in the club and fight, but I couldn't deal with the psychology of bullying. It wasn't arming me for that. Hi, this is Mick Tully, and you're listening to Mixed Martial Arts. On today's show, it's an absolute pleasure, a joy. It's a bit of a nightmare because this is going to come out and Al's probably going to be the 30th guest. And when you consider he's my brother from another mother, um, the co-founder of this very loose term that we had a few years ago of uh, complete self-protection, which sort of doesn't really fit our remit anymore, but it's, so we can't really get rid of it yet. But it's the one and only Mr. Alan Peasland. Al, thanks for giving me some that's all right, mate. Good to speak to you. Yeah, I, I won't take it personally. I'm number 30 in your list. Well, do you know what? The, the problem is I had to wait until the show was middle-aged <laughs> yeah. before I could get a nice, mellow individual like yourself yeah, who doesn't I'm, say anything. So you say I'm like the easy listening section. Is that where we are? Well, you, you don't do anything controversial. You never, <laughs> ever, you never ever say what you think. That's true. Yeah, maybe this podcast's the first time for that. Maybe uh, this no, is the first it, chance. If you know Al, Al does say exactly what he thinks all yeah. the time. I think they call me binary. Al at times. <laughs> well, so. binary Al is, it is it's, it's a one or a zero, it's nothing else. Uh, so Al, we're going to start at the beginning. Yes. Why did you get into martial arts? Um, oh, do you want me to do the whole uh, watch Bruce Lee movies or that I was bullied at school or tell me the truth is it just the fact that you lived across the road from the karate club yeah well I was 12 years of age um, just about to move to secondary school and um, uh, to be honest I hadn't got a clue what the difference between judo karate uh, you know, jiu-jitsu, JKD, I had no idea. I just knew knew martial arts. Yeah. I think I'd seen Kratty Kid. I'm not sure whether that was before or after I started. It may have been after and my mum bought me the DVD or something. Um, I'm pretty sure I'd been seeing some Chuck Norris movies. Yeah. So uh, that was uh, that was probably the catalyst. And I was moving to big school, so I thought I'll 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 learn to fight so that I'm, if I'm the geek in the class, I can still look after myself. And yeah, that didn't really work. But um, yeah, it was pure chance. We had um, I think it was actually and I was trying to think on the way home this evening I think it was actually my mum's friend Jean who sadly passed away last year yeah lovely woman yeah lovely woman and um, I've never really thought about it but I think it was her and this is just my memories fading but um, I think it was her that told my mum about a, a karate class that was happening just up the road from our house because she knew we would I was interested yes and so I have to thank Jean probably because um, I had like I say no idea what the difference between karate judo was um, or any other martial art for that matter there are lots out there obviously yeah. Um, you know, as a caveat, put a little bullet point on the bottom of this. You know, yes. there are other martial arts available. Yes, um, well, if, so, if, only, <laughs> no, if only everybody actually realised. Yeah, that's that. right. Yeah, yeah, because that's so. the problem. Everybody they invest thirty years of their life in something, yeah. and they ignore all the other beauty out there. Yeah, it's almost like you've just been to one restaurant and you stop shopping around after that point because you had a great meal. It's like you know, but there is other meals out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was pure chance, and actually, um, moving on many years later as an instructor, it's something I've always remembered that it was. Pure chance that I stumbled across the club I did. 
I entered as a student with no knowledge at all, no idea of how to assess the instructor's level um, and lineage and grades and qualifications and ability to teach. Right. It was pure as a, I was like the most naive student entering. And I'm sure as instructors, we all have students enter our classes like that. And we just assume that they know who we are or they know that we are have a certain background. And so like, I was like Mr. Naive, you know. Well, the, you know, it's crazy you said this because... Uh, a couple of the guys who stir, you know, culture classes are going good, you know, it's, and it's crazy because uh, we'll touch on it's it later. It's a good job because the MK ones aren't. No, no, uh, <laughs> the, the, when, you, when you lead a glamorous life working for a company we can't mention, uh, but, uh, you know, if you, like, if you like energy drinks and fast cars, you know what we're saying, right? We're okay to say, at least say that, aren't I? Yeah, because that's very, yeah, it's very, uh, very Yeah, good. yeah, well, he works yeah. for Monster. Right? <laughs> That's got a good. No, we're out, I, just, no, we're out. I was just I had a little a little bit of sick came up for a moment there. Really? Um, yeah, I mean for me, so we we joined the class and uh, and it was interesting because my sister, who's four years older than me, she'll appreciate me mentioning that. Um, we both decided to start at the same time. It was, and I think obviously she was kind of holding my hand a little bit. Um, we didn't have the courage to train the first session, so we went and just sat and watched. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, and it was it was just a bit weird. We went and sat and watched, and uh, and to be honest. I knew I wanted to do something and I, I didn't know of any of the clubs nearby that I could walk to. So, um, yeah, so the following weekend we started and we, we trained together, um, graded together the same gradings. Unfortunately, I was always, it actually worked out in my favour, but she double graded on her first grading, which did oh, I was, that was like, that was just like a knife through the heart. So did you, did, did you did you have to grade for your white belt or was uh, it no, straight to yellow? No, we got our white belt. Um, it was straight to, I think the first grade was orange, then red, then yellow. Um, and so I went to orange and Sharon double graded, which I was I was mortified by at the time because I thought, oh, she's ahead of me and she's going to stay ahead yeah. forever. But it meant I got to learn my next kata in advance. So she would, <laughs> she would teach me the next kata once I got mine. She'd teach me the next one. So I was always ahead of And did of you always grade on the same day? We graded together every grading. Most were under uh, Sensei Bob Poynton. Um, and uh, we'd do seminars with the likes of Terry O'Neill, but it was uh, Sensei Bob Poynton was uh, a grading instructor under the KUGB. Yes. Um, Jeff's instructor, Sensei John Johnson. Um, Top uh, man. Awesome guy. Scary as a young 12 year old if I ever went to his class. Yeah, and now it's still and, scary. And one of the most gentle, <laughs> exactly. lovely men yeah, the irony you could wish it. to meet. But a tough, tough guy. And I remember Jeff saying many years ago, Jeff Thompson, my instructor, many years ago, saying he remembers seeing John um, kind of for real fighting once and he said it was just frightening you know ferocious the, the, yeah ferocious the power of this man you know you see him now to this day he's still an incredible martial artist very powerful very traditionally Shotokan honourable man strong powerful um, you know Kratika um, so he was kind of like the, the club that we would train through Jeff's club, he was kind of the club that we would go and meet and we would have like multi-club grading. Yes. And Sensei Bob Poynton would come down and grade us. So we graded together every grade until we got to, Sharon was ready to take her first down. She'd waited, I think it was the year to, or the six months you have to wait to take your first down. And I was obviously three months trailing behind. So, bless her, she waited those three months and we took our, yeah, our grades awesome. together as well. And uh, so, yeah, I got my first down um, about three and a half years later. So I pretty much graded on the button. Every three months we graded. Um, really? And, yeah, Jeff had got quite a lot of classes going, so I think we were training five, six nights a week, plus my own training in the day. You know, I was at school, so I could go for runs at lunch 
much time over. And how old were you when you got your first stand? I got my first stand, uh, I was 15 and a half. So yeah, just before my 16th birthday, I got it. Awesome. Um, and so I was still at secondary school, uh, still being bullied, training in an incredibly tough, cratty club, fighting men um, at a very small, light, naive 16 year old or 15 year old. Um, so yeah, the irony of the whole thing, when you look back at it is, we talk about martial arts, tough classes, toughening you up, you know, get rid of the bullying, all the anti-bully stuff. I was still massively bullied at school and yet I was kicking ass in Same. the club. Yeah, hey, which, you know, but the type, I could get in the club and fight and kick ass, but I couldn't deal with the psychology of bullying. It wasn't arming me for that. No. So that's why I left school at 16 when, well, you know, I probably should have stayed on and done A-levels and, you know. Uh, well, I don't know. No, we'll do, we're going to touch on that in a while, but how I met Al. Yeah, I'm going to let Al tell the story because <laughs> yeah. it's good. It's good. How we do it? Yeah, so I met you. I was 14. So yeah. what, should we, what's that, 15 years ago, something like that? <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I <laughs> wish. Um, yeah, I was, we were 14, uh, I was 14, uh, you were a t- smidgen older. Yeah, just a smidgen, um, smidgen only a smidge. And we were both the same grade though. We were both the same grade, I think, yeah, because you sat on brown belt for about 10 years. Oh, I you? was there forever. <laughs> yeah, eternal brown belt. Yeah. So yeah, I must have been like a green belt or something at 14, and uh, we would have these interclubs. So your uh, instructor, since Andy Margaret, would yeah. have a club, and slightly different style of karate, but we'd all meet up. And uh, I think we'd come to your club on this occasion, and uh, that was how I first met you. And so at 14, I was just up for fighting anyone. I think part of me thought they're not going to beat hit, hit a kid back too hard. Yeah. Um, but I thought, well, if they are, I might as well at least, you know, even if I'm going to lose, I might as well come a close second place. Yeah. So um, lose on so, my yeah. terms. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, so we were rotating. We were all sparring and moving one partner to the next. And I, I came up against you, and uh, obviously weren't quite happy with this upstart fourteen-year-old having a bash. So uh, punch him in the head. So yeah. decided to get heavy on me, and then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, at the next round, um, the very next person to race in front of you was my sister obviously defending her little baby brother's honour who kicked and, my uh, ass and put it on you bless she, them, yeah. No, yeah, Sharon, <laughs> Sharon literally kicked my ass and the, the thing is trust me Al was kicking my ass too you know I got in um, how old do you know Al we're going to ask this because oh, Al hates okay, me so I'm 41 now uh, oh really I like to think I've still got my boyish good looks he has there. got his boyish you know, good looks I got out the heavy I got out the door work at the right yeah. time well I'm, I'm literally five years older than Al <laughs> so what you what you got to remember is Al came in and I think he was 14 at the time 14 yeah so I was 19 but I was like uh, yeah by my own admission if you ever listen to this as I've always said I am a shit martial artist even to this day I'm pretty bad <laughs> and I apologise to all of my instructors who've had faith in me to make me an instructor but uh, you know I'm okay I think but I set the bar very high you know, yeah to, to myself yeah, yeah what, what I what I, I look at Rick Young and Terry Barnett and Neil Simkin yeah. as martial artists I see everyone else is just amateurs yeah. and you know they're nice affable amateurs yeah. and I'm in the middle of all of that with these guys but it's only because the bars are low in the UK that I'm actually quite good yeah I mean you do yourself a, a disservice but I you know I agree with the sentiment you know when you look at people like that anyone who thinks they're world class if they're not on a par with the likes of Rick Young they're, they're misusing the term because yeah. you know they're, they're you know and, and again you know Guru Terry Barnett Rick Faye 
you know they are all in, in my humble opinion I, I agree they're all absolutely world class yeah and uh, I don't you know I never I, I aspire to aspire to be like them but will never be them no there's no. not enough hours in a day or years left in my the, life to catch them up no the only thing the only thing that I'm as I always say the only thing that I'm good at is turning up you know that's <laughs> yes. true 31 yeah. years yeah. of turning up and after a while you have to get good yeah I actually think like I'm the chumbawamba <laughs> of martial arts right so basically the theory is an infinite amount of time an infinite amount of monkeys an infinite amount of typewriters you will get the collective works of Shakespeare yeah. that's what they say right? yeah. that's, that's, that's what right, that exactly. is right yeah. Yeah. and that's what I am so what it is I've just kept turning up turning up turning up and eventually it seeped somehow into my brain right but you were a way better martial artist than me back in the day oh, I don't know but, yeah, um, you, no, you, no but I, just, I, I know yeah. that we still I, I still believe this to this day naturally one of the naturally one of the best and I, when I say naturally that's a uh, uh, that's actually a misnomer. I shouldn't really use that. Al is one of the most talented martial artists I know, who will admit that he doesn't invest anywhere near the amount of time for the returns that he gets out of it. Right? Yeah, okay. Especially so, right now. Yeah. Some things like yes. Yeah, I mean, right now, not training anywhere near enough to, to do it justice, and some may say you know a missed uh, kind of a missed opportunity. You know, when the, the the years that I've kind of eased off my training. You know, I've never stopped, but probably haven't trained as as much as the talent could have taken me you know yeah. again I was thinking tonight you know what if I had a regret maybe one regret was probably around that era that time um, one of the things that, that Jeff did with his club was he would bring other instructors to teach us yes. we were very very lucky that um, you know which is something we do now with the CSP yeah. is we, we openly admit if someone comes to us and they want something we don't have or they want something that we're not good enough to teach them or they're at a level where we need to pass them on our, our philosophy has always been that we will introduce them to the right people we're lucky that we have the connections to help them and we'll have no no qualms about letting someone go and train somewhere else and sometimes kick them for, sometimes kick sometimes them, sometimes them, send them yeah, say, you know, and just be honest and say you know what you want isn't what we have we're not going to milk you for the next 12 years <laughs> we're going to send you somewhere where you will actually get what you want and so what Jeff did for us is we he didn't have to send us anywhere he brought the instructors to us we were very very lucky um and actually, he would bring local guys, local, you know, good boxing coaches or other instructors from the local area. Or as he started to venture out and take himself off to go and train with the likes of the Neil Adams of the world, he'd go to Birmingham and train uh, train wrestling there. Um, he would bring those instructors to us. And um, right. I think it was round about when I was 14 because I, I don't think we ever really did just karate. No. Even when we were, even by the time I was green belt, we were already fully boxing. Jeff had done that, a lot that of progressive, boxing. that progressive. Yeah. Sparring was, and you know, we got like, the, the few competitions I went in. Most I got disqualified because I was throwing hook punches. Yes, and I'm like, but that's in my kata. But it suddenly, what it certainly wasn't allowed. Yes, in, yes. So I'd be hooking people in the head and immediately getting disqualified. Um, but we had a boxing. Uh, one of Jeff's friends, um, Keeson Clayton, who's like a legend, <laughs> legend in Keeson's commentary. Still, he's still going strong. Top man. I tell you what, he's not letting that wet, wet look perm go. <laughs> yeah. He's still rocking that look. Nah, he's bald now. I actually. think I hooked up with him on Facebook. 
while ago. I haven't seen him for many years, and he probably doesn't even know who I am. But I remember Keeson because I was a young lad, and this this light guy turned up. You know, moved. I think he was kind of like light middleweight. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and he just did a boxing course for us, and it clearly teaching wasn't kind of you know he was coming to a cratty class, and he's thinking, what am I doing here? But Jeff Jeff wanted to show him off, and yeah. Show, and uh, and I remember him saying to Jeff, I kind of overheard, and he said um, he goes, oh, how how should come and come to the boxing club um, right. and I remember hearing that and Jeff was, Jeff said you know if you want to do that it's cool you know it's entirely yeah. up to you and I kind of think maybe that that was the that was the one thing if I look back right in the early days of where I just didn't make the right choice that oh, shit man I could have been I could have been you know absolutely I could have been a contender I could have been a contender but yeah I think you know that was probably one thing because I think if I look at the if I look at what I've got from the martial arts and the effort I put in, in especially in the early days amount of hours training yeah. the amount of work I put in and where it took me I think you know it's only for the fact that Kratty doesn't pay wages doesn't no one's no. going to be rich if you're in a Kratty instructor um, that boxing could have been a totally different avenue totally different career and I don't doubt that I would have got somewhere with that yeah but you know while we're doing this this is going to be a nice little seeg into I still think there might be a couple of copies of The Art of Boxing still there's still language in <laughs> well, there best, I, I, yeah. I think there's still yeah. some VHS rocking yeah. somewhere isn't I there I have to name check my very good friend Jim Burns because uh, and he's far better behind the mic than I ever will be I think he's still DJing still there man shit. yeah I tell you Cheshire Radio so yeah hi Jim um, but yeah it's um, you know I did my ABA boxing coach um, certificate with Jim and uh, and and some of the some of the names you'll know around Coventry but um, and boxing is just it's like my second love really I would always call myself a cratty man um, even though I haven't put the gear on for many years apart from a photo shoot a while ago yes. um, but I would because that's where I started and I believe that's shaped good or bad it's shaped the way I've approached all the other arts that I've gone into I've always I've always studied those arts with the same philosophy that I learned when I started out in karate right. so I would always say that now my Muay Thai is crap because I kick like karate when I'm trying to do Muay Thai round kicks but I still approach the Muay Thai art with the same kind of attitude that I had when I was doing karate yeah. the same level of respect to the my training partner the dojo or wherever I'm training the mat the ring whatever it is yeah. and those values that were instilled in the early days I carry through and so I always call myself a karateka but by Boxing was probably my second love. Yeah. Um, I just loved the whole thing, the footwork, the balance, the, the mechanics of it. Um, it's very honest. There's no hiding in the ring, all those cliches. Yeah. And Jim was a friend, a very good friend that I made from that time. And, and so it is a sweet, it, first of all, it's a sweet science. And secondly, you know, quite rightly so, there's no hiding place. You know, we both know black belts that have never been punched in the nose. Yeah. You know, famously, you come and train with me. First thing I'll do is I'll say to you, I'm sorry, don't blame me, blame the technique. And then punch you. <laughs> That put you because guess what? Or hit what? them with a stick. I've seen. Or hit them with a the stick. Oh, but I hit them with the stick if they don't train hard enough. <laughs> but it's like, you know, you you come into it. You, you're going into a pursuit, which is supposed to find out about yourself and be honest, good or bad. Yeah. And then what you do is you then spend 20 years hiding there. Yeah. And it, yeah. you know, you know where, who's going to actually turn around and say, do you know what, mate? Yeah. Get with the program. Yeah. It's X. The you know, so the arts are like X Factor contenders that have had 
a mum or a dad telling them they're amazing but they've only ever done it in their bedroom exactly and then they get a big wake up call from the Mr. Cows of the world that tell them no you shit yeah. it's you know unfortunately um, you need a, you need an art if, if you're doing it for certain reasons you need the art to prove out those reasons if you're doing it to um, to be able to protect yourself then you've got to be able to learn to get hit and know what it feels like to test it and that's you know that's why we moved into all of the pressure testing well this is well this is what, what I'm going to lead you on to now famously said you know I, I went I went to Germany just as the Monica Animal Day came in because, and that, but it was the truth and it, it's funny because at the time because I, you know I, I was linked to it but wasn't linked to it that much so yeah. I could I could have yeah. more of an objective look about it because I wasn't in the deep end right yeah. and I looked at it and it was like wow yeah this is awesome and I really I was like yeah this is where it's at yeah. and then years later I started speaking to like obviously uh, I'm going to name check him here yeah, yeah uh, which will be one of a humorous story later uh, our, our mutual friend Ewan Campbell yes. Ewan Campbell says hey you guys did that fucking animal day we used to call that Tuesday night yeah. uh, but it was funny yeah, right it's very true because yeah. we, did, we didn't realise and well, then yeah, the, the history of animal day is quite funny because everyone animal day was the name animal day or the phrase animal day was a branding exercise and it was partly a branding exercise for Jeff to then go on and, and monetize that and make DVDs and write books about it animal day for us in the club and this is you know our good friends that you know the likes of Matty Evans Tony Summers awesome and, guys uh, yeah you know blessing Lee Evans um, uh, Jay uh, uh, you know so, some of the other guys were all um they were all behind, They were all on the back end of that as well. No disrespect to them, because when I was 14 years of age in Longford Karate Club, um, and then when we moved to the likes of Foxford School in the 87, we were still a karate club. Um, and this was in the days of good friends like Craig Franklin and Alan Gaines, <laughs> and even before that, the Joe Tyler's of the world. Wow, Les Big Watt, Joe. Big Joe. Um, it turns out I'm related to him somewhere along the line. You're joking. Yeah, yeah, which was quite good. When are you going to get the moustache? Which was quite <laughs> <laughs> the biggest hands on a man I've ever seen in my life. Um, tough man, just a tough man. He punched man. a hole in me. Um. Literally, he punched a hole in me that even now <laughs> on a January morning, I feel it. And this guy knew nothing, and he didn't care about martial arts. <laughs> just, He'd be like, I have to wear these pyjamas so that I get to fight. And I was like, yeah, are you fucking real? He was real? a tough man. And they were the men that I was fighting when I was a child, you know, when I was learning. And to be honest, before Animal Day was given a name, we were doing Animal Day fights, but constantly for like a two hour session yeah. so Animal Day turned into this event and it wasn't for me it wasn't about um, learning to fight hard Animal Day was all about testing what you'd already learned so if you if uh, an Animal Day f f uh, format would be like a two hour session people would travel from all over the, the country to come and train on this thing and you may have one or two fights it would be no there'd be no time limit it would be fight to knockout or submission there were very few few rules you know we didn't want people biting lumps out of each other but you were allowed to bite um, yeah. and that's where even that it makes it not realistic because I'm not being funny but if someone bit me I probably wouldn't stop fighting but in the animal day then you tap and you <laughs> well, go yeah, fam fam famously we both know that fighting somebody doesn't stop <laughs> exactly them. yeah and yeah, yeah. Um, and so so there were even then there still has to be rules um, but what animal day did then was it tested people's ability to manage fear because you would be signing up for this thing weeks in advance yes and you'd be going along and then even when you're there facing fears actually getting yourself there you may actually wait an hour before you got called up and so you've got this constant 
slow build of adrenaline and all that kind of stuff. And so it was more about testing fear and, and putting yourself under pressure. The fighting bit for me was far tougher when we were fighting years before that, doing full out sparring, the same kind of rules, but we would all be sparring at the same time. So you'd grab a partner, everyone would fight and you'd have people falling over. There were no mats in the karate class and we were doing judo and we were rolling around and doing whatever little bits of wrestling we'd learn. And then you'd stop, you know, we'd shout time, just grab another yeah, partner, go, go again. How'd you so, yes. so those those sessions were far tougher physically um, and that's really where I cut my teeth when we got to that animal day stuff as long as you could get past the, the little bit of anticipation um, the animal day fights weren't difficult and actually it's embarrassing to watch them now because we were embarrassingly poor you know our, our level right. of grappling was still in its infancy UFC wasn't it hadn't existed at that point it was we were just starting maybe UFC 1 or 2 we just started to pick up on old VHS copies of it that you know watching the graces and stuff um so we knew wrestling we knew the grappling was was where where we needed to work but we were very very poor i mean it was primitive stuff yeah um and so yeah please no one look at old animal day footage and think we think we're good because physically we weren't that good at grappling yeah um it was kind of basic stuff it was more about the process of how did what did we go through to get there yeah yeah the the technique well the technique wise as well so i've often said it was the kingdom of the blind the one-eyed man's king yeah and that literally was you look at it now and you just go that guy's no he knows absolutely nothing that other guy knows a little bit yeah and the real art was knowing knowing where you had your little advantage even if you were you know even if it was only a little bit how did you get the fight to that bit so that you could use it to win that was really where it came in and that's just sparring you know these were still sparring sessions just made into something a bit more fearful for that very reason to scare yeah. people to see who had the metal to see who could turn up and that was you know that was where um, you know where the, all the all the kind of hype came from um, the club I, I feel the club was far tougher when we were stood with blue toes couldn't feel your feet on a freezing cold um, roller skating ring wow um, yes in long forward training full on karate uh, th- those karate sessions for me were far Tougher, yeah. more frightening, and old Les, old Les Allen downstairs drinking drinking whiskey out of a milk bottle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah, you had to put <laughs> the gauntlet past a load of yeah. tough guys who thought you were all mugs wearing yeah. pajamas. I mean, I genuinely, uh, I I would ring Jeff every time I couldn't make class for any particular reason, whether it was like you know I had school assignments or whatever it was. I felt like I had to ring him to let him know why I couldn't make it. That was the club, you know. You 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 should be there. If you're injured, right. you come along and watch. Yes. You know, because what else were you going to be doing if you weren't injured? You'd be there training anyway. So how many people get an injury and suddenly I can't come training because I've hurt my leg and then they're going down, you know, they're, they're down at the local TGR Fridays or something. Yeah, going to Witherspoon's like, for oh, yeah. a few beers. And you're yeah. right. But if your leg wasn't hurt, you surely would have been at class. So that sesh, that that block of time was already... Yeah, just be there. Was booked, just be there. Yeah. So, you know, but when I, when I learned to drive, when I started work then, I would... Classes were so f- tough and fearful. I would... Kind Kind of hope for a mild car crash to Dude, give me an excuse. Every, every Friday, was thinking now. Because I needed a legit excuse. I still um, have it. I wouldn't deliberately crash my car, but I kind of secretly hoped something had happened so that I had a legitimate excuse not to go because it was so scary. Yeah, but I, I don't know about you, but I still have this. I say this about every Friday.
Friday with no Simpkin. I do that. I, I travel from Junction 2 to Junction 7 on the M6, yeah. right? Yeah, it's a 40-minute commute. But I will make maybe 20 excuses on the way up there. But what kills me is I can't live with myself knowing that I'm a pussy. Yeah. That, you know, that's, <laughs> that's what true. it is. Yeah. And what yeah. it'll be is you'll get yeah. a phone call from Neil. Where are you, you wetter? <laughs> and then he puts the phone back yeah, he's, he's got this uncanny knack of being, you know, being able to use the, the English language very, very succinctly. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know exactly yeah. where you are. With yeah, you. there's no there's no confusion. If only he's like yourself, Al. If only every one of your friends was the same. Yeah. Because you know exactly where you stand. Yeah, it's and very if you're true. pissed off with it, if he's pissed off with you, you know it. Yeah. He'll tell you. And rightly so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. too right. He's yeah. too right. Yeah, he is. He's just the best. Uh, bugger, if you're listening, you're the man, right? Uh, so you went from the animal days, which was a understanding that both of you guys are going to get into it, right? Yeah. And yeah. then it metamorphosized into like you know the fence controlling the stuff stuff that we used to teach back yeah. in the day straight yeah. away which now when you look back on it still it's just a, books still available fence book, concept, books, you know, books so. and DVDs and DVDs of great selling yeah DVDs. yeah may Crit- still have a couple gathering dust yeah in the critically office. acclaimed critically <laughs> acclaimed but the, first of all it's only with hindsight now that you look back at it because at the time it was a very zeitgeisty thing and it, yeah. it and it had its place yeah totally I mean because obviously the door uh, the door work was for me then because I was in that, gotta see if it works. I'm li- I'm learning it from a guy who's who's proving that you know what he's teaching works because he's fighting most nights on the door, um, and I was kind of drawn into that world a little bit because I yeah. used to I used to um, I, I I would learn to drive in driving lessons, taking Jeff to his shift on the door. So I got right. some driving practice being his chauffeur, which oh, was quite right. cool. I don't know if it's strictly legal to then drive home as on a driving lesson <laughs> with your instructor. On a provisional. On a couple of beers, yeah. couple of bottles of Burlander. Oh, it. really? <laughs> so yeah, so we, yeah. we'll gloss over that bit. But um, but that at 16, 17 years of age, um, looking very young. I mean, I'd never get into a pub. At oh Jesus! Years of age. You were... um, I was around all these legends. You know, all these absolute legends. The you know the real honourable doorman kind of thing of you know of Coventry's. Yeah, brilliant. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like Tony Blackstock. Yeah, Tony Blackstock. You know, Dave Ledwidge and all, all the guys. Seymour Barnes. Oh yeah. You know, he was one of the first guys I met at the Devonshire Arms. That used to be my regular haunt, and uh, just at, you know, and because because of Jeff's uh, friendship with them, um, they kind of just welcomed me, and I was instantly one of the crew, and and that was amazing. I got all these big, big, scary, um, capable dudes. Legit that are like men. All big brothers. You know what I mean? It yeah, was amazing. Yeah. I was I was in this this amazing. Uh, this amazing environment. You look and back so, at it. It was like it was like the good. It was on oh, Goodfellas. Yeah. Well, just we just me and Lou have just been watching um, Sons of Anarchy, and for all its wooden acting, um, that kind of cultness. Um, you know, the environment that those those biker gangs are in, and the way that the brotherhood kind of thing. That, that was a bit like it. You know, it was a yeah. bit. And so I just thought, I want me some of this, and I got my first offer of a uh, shift on the door when I was eighteen um, with a wonderful uh, Dave Owen who <laughs> who is like the grumpiest looking man on the world even when he's ecstatic yeah but yeah, but the, you know the, the reason behind him is because he's the real life Mr Magoo <laughs> but it's the truth right because he would never wear his glasses that's right and yeah. so he couldn't yeah. see anything so when yeah. he used to look at people he used to be screw facing yeah. like horrendously and they were like he's got an attitude and then years later I looked at him and I was like waving my hand in front of him and he couldn't see and then you find out that yeah. he was like he, myopic yeah I mean he's an amazing guy tough guy 
guy. And Great guy, yeah. He um, he gave me a he, he took a massive risk because he was working the door on a I think it was a Friday night. He had it, clearly I was the last call. I have no misconception on this that I was the last phone number in his phone that he could ring for people who tell to help him out. Yeah. Because I'm 18 years old. I look about 14. Yes. And um, he's on his own, needing someone to back him up on this shift. And if any any would be doorman out there, if anyone invites you on a shift and they tell you, don't worry, it never kicks off here. Um, <laughs> that's your excuse to say I'm busy that night because that was Dave's immortal last words. He goes, nah, it's fine. It's really quiet on a Friday night. It never kicks off. I rock up. First time I've ever worn the black and whites on a shift, 18 years old. And it, it just goes into this melee. And we're literally dragging people out from this brawl that's going on. The ones that are basically getting knocked out and getting pushed to the periphery, we would then just run in and drag them out. There was no yeah. way we were going to stand in the middle of that thing and, and try. You don't go into no man's land. You, this was like this was local local groups, local gangs, if you like, fighting each other, and we were just outsiders. So we just kind of were damage limitations. Because you, you get in the middle of it, they've <laughs> oh, got yeah. the, the enemy of my enemy. Yeah, is exactly. My friend. Yeah, yeah. I've worked a few of them. Yeah, the definitely. Sense, that was my baptism of fire, really. First night in the door, and, uh, and Dave looked after me in a big way. Took a big risk to have this unknown working with him. When you're working on your own, you definitely, if you've got one of the man, you want someone who you trust. Yeah. Massive respect to him, a big thanks. And so that got me started on the door. And then Jeff then introduced me to another good friend of his, Clive. Um, who's uh, affectionately called by a different name in, in the Watch My Back book. But yes. I won't say because I know Clive doesn't like that phrase, but yeah, I became really good friends with Clive. And, Top man. And he took me from like an 18-year-old, naive, the most naive geek you've ever met, um, to a 19-year-old streetwise. Um, I'd learned more in that first year on the door, working under Clive and learning from him, who'd never done a day's fight training no. in his life, but was the most game guy in the world he yeah but he was so streetwise he was and he had so a nose he had a yeah. nose for everything <laughs> oh, I learned a lot from that man like I say I learned more in that year than I did in the previous you know 10 years of martial arts training yeah. with a very good instruction um, just Clive put it all into place he was like the final piece of that jigsaw on how do I take this skill that I've been studying under very good people in very tough clubs and how do I make it how do I actually apply it and how do I then in the best way possible not apply it you know how yeah. do I become a very and I wouldn't say I was an amazing doorman by any stretch but Clive Clive gave me that extra piece of Clive, Clive, Clive was a really amazing guy look when you look back he still yeah. is an amazing guy yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. but he was a very amazing guy because he he just trod that real careful line <laughs> of being somebody not to mess with yeah. and nobody ever really wanted to know if they could mess yeah. with him or not he, he taught me likeable. that he taught me that because you know love him to bits and he's a man's man so he'd hate me saying that but I love him to bits and we became so tight because you do I would work um, like night after night after night with him and we had such fun I mean the, the stories that we had such fun I'll never ever look back on that anything other than fond memories but we had we had such um, you know forget the watch my back there was their stories that are just just hilarious hilarious will make you cry will make you cringe you know you won't but he's got them all we had we had a fun time but he um, he was the master of being able to use the whole psychology of fighting and not fighting he he was the he was the master at that because to be fair his ability wasn't there and he knew his limits he knew what he was good at but I've seen him be far more capable people just because he had the, the balls and he had the psychology behind it he could read people 
just brilliant. But, famous, but famous, famously, one of the lines you always say about Clive is, Clive can build you a house with what? Yeah, I, <laughs> and he probably has no idea I use him in martial arts classes now, but I've always said that, that Clive could build a whole house with a hammer and a screwdriver. That's the sum total of his toolbox. And for me, the martial arts stuff and, and where the CSP thing started to go, and I'm glad it isn't there now, um, was we were, te- we were teaching people how to make anything you want with very simple tools and yeah. it doesn't matter whether you want to you know whether you're building a shed or Buckingham Palace you can still do it with those simple tools it might not be brilliant yeah. um, but it will it's functional and and it does the job for 90% of the time um, where you then need a few specialist carpenters tools or a few specialist tools of the trade that's where you dive into the breadth of the art and they're in your toolbox but don't ever think that you can use them as proficiently as you can that hammer and screwdriver yeah because they're the ones you're using day in day out that's your bread and butter so you know you always hear about the fence and the lineups and all that stuff and that was to give you the opportunity to use your hammer and chisel or your hammer and screwdriver you know the big right hand or the big left hand or whatever your bread and butter technique yeah. was but there will always be an occasion where you're upside down in a bin or you're you know <laughs> you're, yeah. you're standing with someone's lapel in your hand um <laughs> which is a whole other clive story he'll tell you about yeah um and you need those you need that random technique that's hidden away at the bottom of your toolbox that you haven't really used that much you probably still need the instruction manual for yeah but it's the only thing that's going to get you out of jail at that yeah, time and, you, and you've got that you've got that block plane and he hasn't exactly you know? and, and that's why you study the breadth of the art and then eventually then when you've got the time and you can enjoy it and you're not under the pressure of someone trying to stave your head in then you can make beautiful works of art because you have that tool set and you've trained it and you've you know you've had the time to dive into well, it well this and, is yeah this is great. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. That's the most random kind of analogy, by the way. No, that's a great analogy. I don't even know how to use a hammer and a screwdriver. Yeah, no, no. Well, I'm sitting in Al's house at the moment, and trust me, I've had a little hand in doing some work here. <laughs> yeah. But trust me, he's done a lot of it himself. Proof in point, you know, I trained to be an electrician so I could do a d- domestic wiring, and I'm not a qualified plumber, but I can do it. And I dare say I could probably plumb a house to the same standard as a professional. Apologies to the pro plumbers out there, but I know I will never do it as quick. I will, I will have more leaks that I'll have to go back and fix, but the end result would be that it would just take me a lot, lot longer because it's not my trade. It's not my daily craft. Yeah. So I think the key is get something that you're really good at, specialise in that, but but you've got to go broad with it. You've got to look at all the other arts, even if you're never going to be the expert. No. You know, be the be the master of blending it all together, be the jack of all trades, because that will probably, the Animal Day was the proof of that, that will get you out of jail, because you'll, you'll always have somewhere you can take someone yeah. that you're slightly more proficient at. Yeah. And that's cool, you know, and, and you don't have to be good then. You don't have to be brilliant. It doesn't have to look polished, as long as it does the job better than, better than them. Well, you, you see, know? this is going to, this going to lead us on now because uh, you know when we look back on it now you know it, some of it you know we could call it you know borderline immoral yeah. you know teaching people no when you think <laughs> about it now you look back and we were like you know people were, people thought we were giving them carte blanche yeah. to assault other human beings yeah. and the problem was we were taking stuff to the nth degree where it's like instead of looking at how many ways we can get out and I know it's my favourite line of all time it's like uh, Adidas or Nike make more sneakers than boxing gloves mm. so that give you an idea but most people don't want to run you know <laughs> uh, so, so 
when we first started we started CSP together because it was a cathartic thing for both of us yeah. right yeah and we never thought it was going to get to where we, 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 yeah. we, had, we had hopes <laughs> yeah. we never thought it was, was going to be like this it right was gonna, it was always meant to be just I, I kind of saw it at a time that, that was like it's time to give something back as kind of cosmic and as yeah. you know, kind of pretentious as that sounds I never got into martial arts to be a teacher and I tell this to people now who come along and they email me and say how long will it how long will I need to train with you to be an instructor how, <laughs> how do I get how do I get to be an instructor with you I'm going to let you go with this it's one a classic it's a classic line it excuse my French but it pisses me off because I've studied for many many years and I always say that I, if I had the choice and I have an hour today to train do I train or teach unfortunately for the students I'm going to choose training because for me I got into martial arts to study it it's like any job in the world any hobby everyone says I'll oh, make your hobby your your pastime make, make any hobby make it your job you know then you'll never work a day in your life no one ever says if you try to make your hobby your job chances are you're going to do less of it because you're going to spend most of your day running a business doing marketing doing accounts doing your budget dealing with the banks you're going to do you're going to do all the business stuff and not actually the hobby you want exactly and and that so why did you get into it for so for, for me you know people who just ring up and say oh, you know how long can I get to be an instructor it's like never you know ask me again tomorrow the answer will be the same because they're, they're clearly not prepared to just come along and want to train the instructor thing for me was almost accidental and it was yeah. almost like like a doctor who studied medicine for many years if they see an, uh, if they see an incident on the road someone's fallen over someone's been knocked over they have a duty to go and use their skills and yes. pass that knowledge on and help someone out and so for me being a martial arts instructor is kind of that it's not anywhere near as important as yeah. doctor saving a life but it's passing something on helping someone out with the skills I've learned so there's a duty to do that there's a duty to the art and to my own instructors more importantly because the duty is that if I don't pass it on the art dies yeah. eventually after one generation and I've got a few years left to go yet but yeah, after, yeah. One, after this generation who's teaching the art if, if we aren't passing it well, on but that wasn't the reason I started it wasn't the reason I learned to drive I didn't learn to drive to immediately want to be a driving instructor when I passed my test you know it's it's about it was it was purely that well, we felt like we kind of had to yeah. been training for 20 odd years it's about time we, we set something up and gave a little bit well you, you, you see this is the thing you know it's like the tagline initially was complete self-protection against the self yeah and that's where we used to start yeah. right uh, but it was the truth it's in a bit of a spiritual no 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 place well yeah but we're b both probably we're probably the we most cosmic we're, we're the most yeah. cosmic people on the planet yeah but it's like I've seen people and they'll, they'll turn around and say I don't take antidepressants anymore because of you yeah exactly you know I have a better yeah. life I get yeah. better with my wife now yeah. my wife used to hate weekends and now she looks forward to weekends because she knows that I won't yeah. go out yeah. because I have to be with Mick on Sunday morning yeah. and he will kick the shit out of me if I turn up looking even half wrong yeah and, and the instructors that we have we are, which are few and far between are instructors that we've um, awarded that 
in my opinion, that honor of being able to teach someone telling you that you can teach when they've least expected it, when it's the last thing on their mind to get from us. And that's the people I will, you know, I will allow to consider themselves instructors um, because of my responsibility for the art. And the day that I think I can't represent the art properly, I'll stop teaching it because I think that's the art is this thing. Whatever art you're studying, whatever art you represent, it's a thing that has to be represented to your best ability. Yeah. And when people like Terry Barnett, Rick Fay say, I'll allow you to teach under my name, then whether you feel right or not, whether you feel comp- capable or not, you have to trust. You don't their second them get. You don't exactly. Who are we to second guess someone yeah. like that? So it's like it's like someone <laughs> it's like someone you know saying, "Oh, you look great today." But even if you don't feel it, you should say thanks because if you don't, then you're you're now disrespecting their opinion. You, you're now second guessing their opinion, and surely if you like that person as a friend, you should trust yes. their opinion. So it's the same kind of thing. If someone like that says, "You know, you're worthy of being an instructor. I really want you to do it," you kind of you know you have to thank them, and then you have to go on and do it and trust that they they have a better view of yeah. than you but this um, is this is the Sifu the Sifu approach you know yeah. Sifu was the older brother in my eyes yeah. who looks yeah. and, and it's like you know if we look at Terry and we look at you know Guru Rick Fay, uh, you know and Danny and Osanto and guys like this we, we look at them and they go you see something in me that I don't see yeah. and even to this day I don't yeah. get it you know yeah. and it's like yeah. we've we've got it where you know a dear friend of ours Trevor Teal we were talking about you know the role of an instructor yeah. And what he said to me, he's, you know, he was saying, but, you know, you're that guy now. Mm. He said, you look, he said, you and Alan, he goes, you actually now are inspirations. And I, I remember years ago, you yeah, telling me about that, the guy. Yeah, yeah, whatever. yeah, but, yeah but whatever, right? <laughs> but I remember years ago, you saying about the guy who was going around, he, was, he wasn't an amputee, but he had, um, he was born with no limbs. Yeah, yeah. And he's a motivational yeah. speaker. Yeah. And for the life of me, I can't remember his name. Yeah. But I, I, I and trust me, you know, this guy has achieved way more in his life than yeah. I have. But I remember he said something and it resonated with me. And as I've got older, it's hitting me yeah, more and more. In, yeah, I know where you're going. Because I was looking for somebody to inspire me yeah, and it, I end up being the guy. Yeah, it was interesting because he was... Um you know, he, he he came out with this line, and it was it was. If you search for him on YouTube, um, you'll if you've got to go through a few of his clips to find this one. It's a little bit buried, but it was a clip where um, he was saying, you know, he's a motivational speaker, and um, he was he was looking for. for you know, for heroes and who ins- people asking him who inspired him. What you know, what is he doing to really change the world? And he came across a child who had the same uh, condition as him, and this child was obviously very down and very depressed about it and struggling to kind of understand it and understand how he was going to make his way in the world. And then he saw this child, and he said, you know, sometimes you're, you're not meant to feel like you're inspiring or setting the world on fire. Sometimes you're just you're put, you're you're there to show someone else yeah. and this, this child got massive inspiration from him who he thought was just doing a regular thing just going about his normal thing wasn't doing anything spectacular but for this child it was like massive inspiration exactly maybe we're there not to be the next world champion or not to be the next um, kind of billionaire and you know industry tycoon maybe we are just to be there to help someone else achieve that and be that stepping stone that we can say in 20 years time I remember him when he was in my class and yeah. I spent a couple of years with him and, and you know and that's why I'm you know like yourself we're firm believers in passing people on you watch any good 
boxer, any any world champion boxer now, and track their their lineage, you'll see wherever they've started, they've been handed on. Yes. They get passed on when when clubs realise this kid's going to be great, but I can't take him there. They pass him on, and you know, sadly, you see a lot of instructors these days that that are prepared to do that through their own insecurities, and they want to hold people ar- around them so that they can say, if this person ever makes it, they can say they were the one. Yes. And ironically, that will never happen while they're with them. Yeah. And you know, and so these, the, the, you know, and that's part part of that insecurity comes through instructors getting that title too soon. We're back to where we started, yeah. which is people wanting to buy it grades, do weekend courses, and become instructors, and. It's it's just a bit of paper. It's just a bit of a bit of paper that ends up on a wall somewhere. It doesn't actually mean anything. And then that leads them to being insecure when they're finally running their class and they're stood in front of people and they're start, their students are saying, "Where does that technique come from? What's the history of that?" Yes. They don't have the depth. They've got they've got a, a breadth of knowledge even, but it's only at a very surface level and they can't go deep. And so they're insecure. Then they're paranoid. They're paranoid about sending their students to other clubs in case they've misrepresent them and don't look. Yeah. Um, or maybe you know, they go and meet somebody who's actually got the answers that they need. Exactly. That, Don't now, come wouldn't back. that be awful? Imagine that. Yeah. And so, um, you know, for, for me, that's you know, it's a sign of a good instructor who's got the security to pass students on. And because your student is a walking billboard for you, um, especially that's why I'm protective over who we grant high grades and instructorships to, because they now, whoever they come across, will be will be representing us. And and I think. Rick Fay had a great phrase in a seminar he did many years ago and I'll steal this from him but really this is totally Rick Fay's story and I've used it many times he said that we as instructors have a responsibility to teach every bit of the art whether we're good at it or not and the reason being that most instructors take an art and they only then pass on the bit they look good at which is probably quite a small bit you know as a boxer I've got probably a good right hook if I only taught that um, and I didn't teach the rest of it the next generation of students from me when they become instructors they've only got a right hook to teach yeah and they're not as good as you and with the right if, hook what if their genetics and their, their physical style it doesn't lend itself to right hooks they would have been a, they would have been a genius with the left with, with a left uppercut yeah or a right knee or yeah. a left round and so but I've only passed on the bit I'm good at the bit that when I demo I'm demoing in front of the class so that I can look cool not teaching the art and Rick says you know if we teach only the bit we're good at the art generation after generation slowly diminishes it it slowly tapers to dies by inches our job is to teach everything now if we can't do it well and demo it well it doesn't mean we can't teach it well if we understand it so then we pass it on because while i can't do a very good right round kick my student may be able to if i can teach him the mechanics properly educate him in the right way follow the likes of the amazing john b will who knows exactly who studies how to teach um, that guy te- teaches you how to be able to yeah, teach well. Some of the best seminars I've been on, the most educational ones, have been John's because you, you, um, he, he has a very, very intelligent way of teaching you that he is he has studied and still studies. Yeah. And so then you go away learning so much because you, it's been imparted on you in the in the best way possible for you yeah. to grow. And so then then I teach the whole art or as much as I possibly know. I also encourage students to go to other arts, see other instructors who are hopefully like minded. And then our students then have this massive wealth of opportunity 
they can then go on and teach a broader art. Instead of the art then tapering to a point, it gets wider and wider and wider. It becomes this big funnel that gets wider. Yeah, and it just expands exponentially. And that's our job as instructors. And if we're only an instructor for five minutes, we should we should pass on that that lesson, which was, you know, to go back to my initial instructor, Jeff Thompson, that was what he started out doing. That was the lesson he taught me because he was not scared about bringing other instructors into his class to teach us. He wasn't scared if we then found that we liked that art more and we'd leave. Whilst it was paying his bills, he wasn't worried about losing the money of yes. a student leaving the club if it's for the right reasons that he's passed them on. Right. And that was the lesson I got. That was the big lesson I got, as well as all the other stuff and being able to fight and all that kind of thing. The big lesson I got was how to not be insecure about your art. Well, you've, you, yeah, you mentioned Jeff, you mentioned John Will, both inspirations in our lives, yeah. right? It would be remiss of us to not mention the, 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 the one guy, the most formative man to us both in our training, the one and only Terry Barnett. Yeah, you know? yeah. But like, and I have to admit, I have to take a little bit of credit for this yeah. because... I introduced you to Terry and it wasn't martial arts I wanted you to do or learn of no, it. No, it was a very dark period in my life. But, but, <laughs> but it, it was, right? Yeah, but, totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I wanted you to be around someone just wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And well, that was it. You know, and, and you know, you take full credit for it and rightly so because I've always said friends, you know who your friends are when they're around when it's tough to be your friend. Yeah. It's easy to be someone's friend when they're being successful, when it's great and when all they tell you is good stuff everyone wants to be from this birthday cake yeah exactly but there's 364 <laughs> year, uh, days right of the yeah. year how many people want to be your friend when and I've got I've got people who I regarded as as very very important people in my life who only ever want to listen to good news how's things at work oh it's going really well if you say actually it's going pretty shit it's very stressful I'm working all the hours God sends and it's not feeling right they, the conversation changes and you're like oh, okay that's interesting you can't hear bad news because because all you don't want to be around negativity, but you know, you are very much on the, on the one hand that I can count of people who are around when I wasn't. <laughs> Thank I, you. I, I know I'm a tough friend at the best of times. Ah, I'm, 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 so I'm, am I. <laughs> I only pretend to be nice. I, I, I print, what I do is, as I've said before, and I'll say it again, I am not a good person. I choose to do good things, and it is a constant. <laughs> no, it's the truth. Even now, at 47 years of age, right? Just by the way, I should add in January. At 47 years of age, I still have moments where I want to do douchey shit. And, but, and, and, and like, no, I'm not saying now on a daily basis, but I do. And I go, right, I, but I can't do that anymore. Yeah. And half of it is because I know it's wrong. The, the other half is because I quite like being the sanctimonious bastard that I am. And that comes at a price. But then the beauty is you don't put yourself out there as someone who's not that. Yeah, but I'm, I'm exactly who I am. I'm you know. warts and all. Yeah. And if you like me, you like me. And if you don't like me, I don't care. Loads of people think yeah. I'm awesome. So fuck yeah. Yeah. You know, and, 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 but, but it's the truth. And I believe this. You know, it's, yeah. it's you, truth, you were, right? You were knocking my door when... Uh most people wouldn't. Most people were either scared to or didn't want to for fear of what they might find or how I might... How Towards I might the end, I was, I, was, I was saying to you, look, I'm you sorry. Saw, you, I, I do want the Snow I'm Patrol sorry, album I'm back now, though. No, no, I okay. actually... Because I did actually enjoy that album. But. i tell you what, if it had been Adele, I don't think I would have saved it. That was a few years. Thank God Adele was still drinking cider when she was about 14 at the time. But yeah, I had to take the Snow Patrol album away from him because he was obsessing yeah, over yeah, awfulness. It wasn't, it wasn't a good time, was it? Bless it, Snow Patrol. 
Patrol aren't meant to be the album you listen to when you're massively depressed. I don't think that's why they put the album out. No. It was how I attached to it. But yeah, bless, bless you, you took it off me. And yeah, and then did the best thing in the world possible any friend could do was introduce me to Terry Barnett and the beautiful Mrs. Wu. Um, and yeah, and they, you know, Terry generously let me come and train on this private Tuesday night club. Yeah. Which I'm sure there was, knowing Terry as I do now, there was a, a massive waiting list. But it, and, uh, it, it, and to, to kind of jump that list. There was 30, there was 30, yeah, there was, there was 30 <laughs> people, 30 people waiting on an email list. Yeah. I know, I know that. And it, sorry yeah. if you're one of those, you missed out because, but yeah. But, but it, that, <laughs> sorry, there, were, there were legendary, there were, there were, there were legendary sessions, yeah. first of all. Yeah. Amazing, and, amazing group of people. And, and what know, was your first impressions when you first saw Oh Terry? my God, it was just, well, it was just pure, it was, it was just, well, to see him as a martial artist, see him move is amazing, but just the moment you walk in the room with him, you just get this, this warm, loving feeling. The guy's just super generous. Um, we've said many times, I mean, we should have had this thing recording um, on all of those Tuesday night journeys. Wow. For the two hours after every class, yeah. because it was like, it was like going for your crack fix. You know, every week you go, I just need to see Terry again. Tuesday night, I just need to get to Terry's class. And you come away fit, floating, you know, and, and just, yeah, just amazing, amazing man, just a beautiful and man. World, and world-class martial artist. Yeah, that's, and that, and, that and that's phrase gets bullshit. thrown around too much, but, in my opinion, but that one, that's, that's the, probably the one of few occasions it's meant. Um, and you could say it to Terry, because, and the reason I have this this uh, thing about the phrase world-class is the moment you tell someone they're world-class, you risk, and I don't say it happens, but you risk them believing it and then stopping working. You know? Yeah. The moment you tell someone like the X Factor contestant, you're amazing, you're world class, you should be out there, you should be selling number one albums. Um, they just stop training, they stop trying because they think they've made it. And how many people do you see right now who have been told you're the best, you got the best right cross in the world, or you're a world class you know judo player? And they go, really great. Then I can stop stop trying. Take the five and, they, and not only were they not world class to begin with, they're never gonna be. Terry, you could <laughs> Terry still you know if you know he is but you know that's not going to stop him training is you know the bjj is doing he's inspiring because he's out there seeking instruction all the time and that for me is what an instructor needs to be terry barnett is the older brother i always wanted every father's day i ring up terry because terry and maria don't have children which is why probably for me it's one of the biggest injustices on the planet mm. because they're two of the nicest people on the planet yeah and every father's day i ring them up and i'm only 10 years younger than him right but i always <laughs> say to him Terry you know you're the, you're the next after my father you're the biggest formative influence in my life yeah. as a role model yeah. and I don't have one bad experience with Terry yeah. and I have a fucking load with my dad <laughs> right? but you know the thing is you know as the years have gone on I, you know, I've walked a mile in my dad's shoes and they don't fit as you get older you understand it and you know I had a horrific upbringing but then I think of Terry mm. And like everything he's done is always steered, yeah. and it steered us yeah, totally. in the right direction it's, everywhere. It was the worst thing that ever happened when the Tuesday night club closed, and I know that was painful for Terry to do it, but I know that was our fault, um, not his. My mine particularly because my my job had changed and I was travelling a lot so physically wasn't in the country to make the classes and uh, and everyone everyone things just started to happen and so the, the you know we just we weren't there enough to make it pay and and you know 
it was I think it was on our on our advice to Terry like you know Terry you, you know you you could be you could be spending this evening with with your wife rather than coming to this class that you commit to every week when not everyone can you know and people yeah. are turning up when they can but it's not every week I, but you as the instructor are always and there. it was like it was like, like you know you I think we owe it to Terry to say Terry take them you know yeah have that Tuesday night back it was a, it was a hundred, from Coventry from Coventry it was a hundred and ninety mile round yeah. trip yeah and as yeah Terry used to always say every week yeah oh thank you so much for making it and I used to always say time and distance is nothing but in the eye of the Buddha I don't even know what that fucking means to tell you the truth but it sounds really profound and I said Terry would be laughing right yeah I got out of a fortune cookie uh, but what, what it was you know I think in the seven years I missed like four sessions right but the problem was I it, that was the only time that I was like yeah. I had to you know yeah. I have to be here because I need that yeah but Terry being well, Terry was like if you don't worry guys life gets in the way yeah it doesn't you know and, and again you know the that demonstration of the man himself was just to be very pragmatic about it all and, and you know, and, and uh, give us all a bit of a lesson there to say, yeah, yeah don't beat yourself up. Terry's one of the guys for me who's got the best balance I've seen with training, teaching, work and home life. He, he's, I wouldn't say anyone's mastered it. I'd say if, if, from what I know of Terry's week and what yeah. he gets up to, he's got the balance. Yeah. Um, he's, the, he's got the balance he's the closest, that I would love to He's have. the closest I've yeah. seen. Because I've always said as an instructor, the more you teach, the more you should train. You know, you have a duty to your students to be constantly out there learning. And that's one of the reasons I don't teach in Milton Keynes. That's why we closed the MK yeah. class because A, I wasn't there enough to teach it myself and was having to put on students to teach. And, you know, big thanks to those students that stepped up yeah. and did those classes for us but equally because of my job I wasn't training as much and I felt I'm a fraud to stand there and tell those students train here every week but also get your hours in get the road work hit the bag get together train together and then I'm sat on a plane or you know not training first, first class by the way I wish yeah. there's a, there's it's mostly business not mostly business <laughs> class yeah but, but it's not but, like know, me with my knees up by my ears that's a fraud I'm a fraud you know yes yeah. there's, a, there's an intrinsic amount of knowledge I have that I could pass on if I never trained a day again in my life you know because you know that people starting out there are basics that you can pass on you've got yes. knowledge that will never leave you I, I don't have to be able to ride a bike to be able to teach someone else to, to ride a bike yes. ask Lou I taught her to ride a bike years right. ago she'll kill me for that um, but if I'm training people at a good standard and I'm training the class of people who are training coming up every week I'll go be training as well right. and if I'm not then I'm a fraud and because I'm asking them to do something I'm not prepared to even though I'm still capable of and that's that's where I, I look at the likes of Terry who's out there take, getting getting not the white belt anymore crappy was he purple belt purple, purple belt um, but you know putting that white belt on and getting back out there studying arts and for someone at his level that he is within JKD to go and study other arts as a, as a beginner and knowing the way he would approach that as the most humble guy in the room the biggest um, student that you know the absolute um, epitome of what a student should yeah. be um, you know that's that's the balance that's so, why we look up to that man that, well, that, so, yeah, yeah, yeah he's the guided force yeah, yeah he's the guy that we, we follow his example and the beauty is he'll be cringing listening to all of this so uh, sorry Terry uh, but, sorry yeah, Tal you know, yeah, no Tal Tal will probably be crying <laughs> Terry, Terry for me you introduced me to Terry and I think Terry like I said Clive was like that final piece of the jigsaw Terry then said you got that jigsaw okay let's let's turn it into a really good oil painting and not that I am the oil painting yeah. but Terry was able to make me do something far more with what little ability I'd got 
he was able to show me a whole new world of art and how to apply the approach I'd got into that so I went from like the crafty the boxing and a bit of wrestling here and there to the world of JKD which was just all of that plus loads more um, but showed me a whole new way of approaching it got rid of that whole gonna knock them out kind of attitude that that it only works it's only functional it's only you know all that kind of stuff and just said that and then, and then we became world. artists and then we became artists yeah and it was um, and it was uh, yeah t- total, total transformation of my art I had uh, Terry said I think he wrote a testimony for me a long time ago and said you know I, I already had a lot of a lot of the tools which is testament to the instructors I've had to get me there yes what Terry allowed me to do was show me how to create with them and do yes. more beautiful stuff than just how to knock people out well I, I, I do That's, I do remember the, the, the line Al came to me and he was already a very accomplished painting I maybe just changed the frame a little bit yeah and that that, that, yeah. that that's, and that's sort of again very generous of Terry to say that you know that my instructors before me had given me that platform because you know Terry turned my game around totally changed the, my, my my mechanics my posture you know from the nuts and bolts of my the way I yes the way I move he he took it back to basics again and said okay right we need to st- ask him about my tie round kick <laughs> it's still, yeah, still right. very much a work I, in progress yeah, I, 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 I still think my Muay Thai keeps him awake right? yeah but the, and one of the best things he did was put two sticks in my hand which oh. was like I'd always in the irony when I started martial arts at 12 I'd been watching Chuck Norris and all those movies and all I wanted to do I thought martial arts was swinging a katana and, and swinging the nunchuck Wow! I've never actually done a day's weaponry training. I never knew apart that. from a few bits and bobs. I always wanted to get into the weapons and never did. Because karate, I was yeah. we weren't training weapons. The, the PR flashlight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did a bit of flashlight. Did a did a PR twenty four and a bit of maglite training. And obviously, again for functional reasons, yeah. so you carry your maglite in your car because you work in the door. And um, but yeah, Terry put two sticks in my hand and completely turned me into this. You know. Um, you know, this kind of zombie that hasn't got a clue what my left and my right's doing anymore. And, uh, and yeah, turn my game around. Better, more functional human beings for a better, more functional world. Exactly, that's what, yeah. That's yeah. what we're trying to create. So, yeah. so what I'm going to ask now is, <laughs> obviously, we can't we can't mention who you work <laughs> for, but it's a, it's a glamorous life, right? It's Yeah, it depends. On the outside. Yeah, if you read my Facebook, if you look at my social media, then, yeah, it's a glamorous world. I love what I do. I mean, I'm very fortunate to be in a, an industry that's exciting, um, but it comes at a price. You know, you pay, you you get, you give your pound of flesh. Um, Randy Pausch, the late Randy Pausch, on um, everyone talks about the big speech he did, um, uh, and there was there was a line in it that they said, um, "How do you? What did they say? What was the line in his speech? Was something like, "How do you? How do you get so successful?" And he said, uh, "I think it was this line anyway." And he said, "Call my office at Friday on a." Friday night at 9 p.m. and I'll tell, tell you. Tell you what, yeah, um, yeah. And so people always ask me, you know, how, you know, how did you get that job? Or do you want to do a job swap? I love, I love, you know, you're so exciting the job you're in. And yeah. I always say, you know, let me tell you how exciting it is. Just call my office at 9 p.m. on a Friday night. So I've stolen that from from Randy Pausch, but it's true. It's you get your pound of flesh, you know. And 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 I have to say, the people I work with, it's an amazing kind of family and an amazing team of people, very much like the martial arts group we have. Yeah. Um, 
we've got this one common goal which is all to get better and we all know that we're all contributing to that so we work as one big team um, and so and I know that whilst I try to pull my weight I know there are people that are traveling a lot more than I am they're on flights a lot more than I am so I never I'm never going to say um, you know I, I work hard or I have a hard life at work because there are people working far harder than me even in my little company that we're in let alone other industries yes. and you know I, I have some clients that I work with that I know are traveling 300 days a year they're yeah. literally away from home 300 days a year on business wow. and I'm like and I thought I was doing a lot by being away 100 days a year so I'm very fortunate in one way but it's a tough job and I, you know and it's if, if I have any modicum of success it's down to hard work and it's down to what my dad taught me and down to what I've taught but I've learned in the martial arts you've got to graft you've got to be the one that turns up turn up mate this is this is it you know what you got to do is it's the, tur- it's the tortoise and the hare you know yeah okay keep running you know as we always say you're still training now what, what's your answer yeah, I'm still breathing I'm still breathing and like this is the thing I've, I've had it a few times where you turn up to teach a seminar and it's always how's Al is he still going around the world how's life <laughs> yeah, is he training yeah he's still training is he doing much teaching and I'm like well you've got a glamorous world you've got a glamorous job in probably the coolest sport in the world right now yeah. but having to put all the time in yeah. or you're going to come here and I have to teach you how to punch what do you think <laughs> yeah. he wants to do as much as I love my students yeah. I love my wife more and so you know when I'm away at weekends and then I get back you got to make the time it's like do I go and train all weekend and teach all weekend or do I actually see yeah. my wife for a little bit yeah but so this is what I, I admire this is what I do admire with you is literally you, you, you know you, you do I honestly believe this I don't think I've ever told you this Ooh. I, oh yeah you like it
that that can that can really kind of take you to enhance everything you you everything else you want to do exactly if, if you have a mind to do that and so if I've learned anything particularly moving into the JKD world and and the people around that that have been very inspiring all of whom have you know are also have very good balance very good work life balance they're very well rounded people very well read people that you talking about Bob Breen and they're yeah. all musicians Terry one of you know one, still in my CD collection one of Terry's CDs that he gifted awesome. me um you know, they, they apply it to everything else. They apply that approach. And I've always said, you know, if you want to get good at a martial arts technique, what do you do? You you get great instruction. You look at it in detail. You train it in small pieces and you build it up and you study. But most important, you do it and do it and do it. You train it and you never satis- you never sell. You're always wanting to make it better. The mission as a martial artist and the mission as an instructor is to teach your students to take that philosophy and apply that to everything else. Don't yeah. just take that right hook out on the street so that you can knock people out in any country you want to because it goes through customs. Yeah. Take the, the lesson that you applied to learn that great right cross and apply that to other things. So, um, yes, we're sitting in this house that we're busy de- renovating right now. Um, I'm applying a lot of the, the, the lessons I've learned in martial arts to that, the, the attention to detail, seeking great support, like world, world-class plasterers such yeah, as yourself. Yeah, baby. Nick Tully plastering, TPS, one world, making the world a better, beautiful place. Place one world at a time, that's one it. spread ahead. Quality work with small rates. <laughs> Pensioners, ring me on a Wednesday. But, right. you know, our good friend who we met through martial arts, Steve Frill, Central Electrics, get another plug out there. Yeah. You know, the, the quality of his work, it's just attention to detail but that is that's the attention to detail you apply to your martial arts apply it to everything else you have to apply it to your job don't quite settle I can always do some I can be better at work tomorrow than I was on Friday I can I can do my job better my mission is to do my job better than the 10 other people in the companies that compete against us because I have 10 counterparts doing my job in those competitive 10 teams. opposite numbers so all I need doing to the do same as you than them. and if I beat them and everyone else in my team does it then we all we all move forward but it's it's making everything better by what you learn in martial arts. Don't just be good on the mat. Take that lesson. Um, I learned that before I even touched martial arts because I learned that from my dad. Yeah. You know, I learned I learned the, the beauty of hard work, the beauty of being brave. You know, I don't know anyone like my dad who's not prepared to just get the spanners out and strip that. Good old apart. good old Morris. Yeah. Roll the sleeves up. He'll figure it out. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and halfway through, halfway through, he realizes that it's going to take a lot more figuring out. Yeah. But he's like, crack on. I'll anyway. go anyway. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, I'm a master of improvisation. I can, I can make my hammer and screwdriver do a million yeah. different jobs around the house because I've watched my dad do it because he's like, he, you know, he's just, he's this creative guy that's never really had that outlet for, um, but graft. You know, I, I was woken up at four in the morning with my dad going up to work and I would be waiting for him to come home at seven at night and, you know, the, the, the man just grafted and I learned that. If you want to achieve anything, graft. That's why I did well at school because I studied. I would, I would study, study, study. And the martial arts, if I have any success, it's because if I wasn't in the class, I was in my dad's garage hitting the bag I was being very self-analytical and critical and learning um, and so you know just got a graft everything else falls into place you get the great instruction like we've had and then you put the hours in but then like I say 
transfer it, get it into other stuff. What a way to end the podcast. What is it? You want to be successful? Write a letter to the universe if you fucking want. Yeah, hug yeah. a tree or no, just go and get no, someone to teach you. Go to work, go to work, go to work, go to work again. And then if you feel like you're wavering, get somebody that will turn around and say, do you know what you need to do? What? Go to fucking work. Right? But then, yeah, and, that's, and that's what it is. I'm going I'm to leave you on this because this is from, um, from our first ever instructor, John Scott, who is just a wonderful human being. Yes. Like literally. Yeah. And he said something, and I'm gonna. This is the last question that I'm gonna ask Al, because if it's yeah. from John Scott, it's gonna be very deep and very intellectual. You're gonna love it. You're man. gonna you're gonna love it. Okay. Yeah, it's one of the things, that, and I'm gonna get John actually to do a podcast. Just cause, yeah. uh, we're gonna talk about theology no, and stuff. It's as, awesome. As our, as a, like you say, our first instructor, um, the first instructor we've we've had instruct under us, so to speak, um, the guy who now teaches me. Um, as you say, it's the reason we have John around on seminars is so that he can teach us when our brains are fading yeah too right we've got a few people in our group that represent us as, an, as instructors we've got a few more that represent us as black belts and affiliate clubs um, you know the likes of Lee Taylor and Paddy Cooney are, our, are affiliates of ours and um, do their own thing but wouldn't wouldn't hesitate to have them represented yeah. but John is the is the absolute um, first class in, in who I would like to be as a martial artist and I'm more than happy for him to have my name on his t-shirt yeah. any day of the week along with Martin Toe two guys that teach me yeah. all the time now yeah. uh, just unbelievable guys and John Scott came out with this so I'm going to ask you this and I want you just to tell me yes or no okay right this is it <laughs> oh my John Scott says do you think our training methodology creates successful happy and really really good yeah functional people or does it attract them so does it make them more oh, I, I honestly can't answer it in a yes or no because you know me I like to waffle yeah I'd say it's attractive to creative and successful and uh, intelligent people um, I can only go by the people we train with and, and they're all that and uh, whether they were successful before they started training JKD I'd have to ask them all but I can say um, it's attractive I understand why that type of person would be drawn to it because it um, it demands a certain approach it demands quite a studious um, approach and very rarely you get successful overnight so anyone who is successful would, would probably be drawn to it just like they're drawn to other types of um, sports or you know you know other interests so to speak I also think that it if you aren't it can help create that it can give you lessons to, to steer you along in that direction or if you already are it can help in, enhance it um, I also think that you know it depends how you measure success and um, how you measure intelligence you know my dad is the cleverest man I've ever met um, but he doesn't have a GCSE to his name in fact he taught himself to read and write that, wow. teach, that shows me his level of intelligence yeah um, and I wouldn't say I'm particularly clever or intelligent but um but I, but I. You got first in engineering, right? Yeah. You worked on the I, Euro fighter, didn't I did, you? I did turn down Mensa actually. Did you? Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. Tell they, me that. Uh, well, the, the Mensa story is quite funny. We'll finish on the Mensa story. So I, and my sister's going to kill me right now, but I cannot not say this part of the story. So I went and did a Mensa test just for shits and giggles, yeah. just for badness. It was purely ego to see get a, a legitimate measure. Don't do it online. Actually, go and do a sit down Mensa test with Mensa, and. Uh, it was actually at Aston University and it was in some random room in the, in the, the university there yeah. so I turned up and uh, I got in 
Um, I'm not going to say my score because that's just rude. Um, but I got in. But it was at the day I asked the the woman who was taking the class. I said, so what 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 do you do if you know if, if I'm lucky enough to get in and I get the right level and I and I get accepted in? What do you what do you do in Mensa? What is it? You know, is it like is it like you know kind of some secret handshake? Yeah, does it, does it open up the door to yeah. you know pioneering jobs and stuff like that? And the end of the Truman <laughs> Show, yeah, where you're hitting the wall and it's open the door. Yeah, exactly. Are you God? I've made it. They've, and she says, well, she says we get together. Um, we sometimes meet for like you know coffees and things, and we meet in pubs. And she said, in in the kind of this was this was the level. She says, but you know what? And this, I was waiting for the punchline, and she was obviously building up to this yeah. amazing, hilarious punchline. She says, we only go to uh, one public establishment once. I said, oh, why is that? She said, because we usually empty the quiz machine of all its money. And I was like, and she started laughing, and I just thought, Mensa's probably not for me, because no. I was still working, running doors, five, <laughs> like, six nights a week in Coventry at the time, cracking yeah. heads, and I thought, probably not the kind of hangout I'm after on a Saturday afternoon. Hanging around with a load of tedious <laughs> bastards. But the best part of the story and Sharon will kill me now yeah she went for she decided to go for it as well a few years later and unfortunately couldn't even find the room in oh, Aston no. Oh, no. <laughs> so, oh, sorry, Sharon. So I, I said you failed the, the main test of Mensa. If you can't find the room, then surely you're not in Mensa. Ironically, Sharon's Sharon's probably more clever, cleverer than me. Um, the only reason I and I never told her this to this day. The only reason I found the room is because I happened to have been there for a meeting a few months earlier. Wow! And it was in the same. So block. you you could have. So, so you, I could, I would, you I, might have failed the first. I wouldn't test. have even found the room either. I guarantee it. So, I'm going to do but, this because I never told Sharon that because I wanted her to think that I'm super clever. So. But I love the. <laughs> I love, I love the sound of this because it sounds like the, you know it sounds like a remake of the fucking Golden Child. You know what I mean? It's like you have to carry this glass of water over there, yeah. really, it really and, was. and like, there will be obstacles. I was like, they they have deliberately made these directions vague just as the first test. So yeah, it was only pure chance, which is probably how I've achieved any qualification. Is I had an element of cheating and an element of luck involved because I'd been there a few weeks earlier. But yeah, so I think does JKD attract successful people? Um, I think it attracts them and I think it can help make them if you apply what you learn in those lessons outside. It also gives you very sore legs. Yes. Particularly if you're training with the likes of Big Jim. Oh, Jim. Um, Big Jim, Jim McCafferty. McCafferty. I, that's the one bit of the Tuesday night class I don't miss. I don't miss that at all. <laughs> Getting and I love beaten up by Jim yeah. who doesn't even break sweat doing it. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it's, yeah, it's, that's it. The, my, my last one is I'm, I've got a ton of really cool Alpies and stories. Some of them I can't share like literally I can tell you but then I have to kill you it's one of those they're, 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 some of them are like very very strange but my best ever Alpizan story it literally is very very recently we were training on a joint seminar with Rick Young and Terry Barnett I don't know where this is going and what happened was myself and Al one of the things that really upsets me with Al is Al has an encyclopedic knowledge of martial arts but more importantly he only has to be shown something once and then he can do it yeah, whereas I'm an absolute bit of a rain man like that yeah but I'm, I'm brutal I, I have to have it beaten into me so we're doing this really really cool back take in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and if you don't know what that means it's basically where you scare the guy that much that he turtles into a position like a baby and goes all fetal so he's on his hands and knees and what happens we're doing this we're doing this back take 
and whatever way it works out Al's doing the doing the um, Al's with me and we're drilling it and it's getting good and he's okay you know and he's starting to get it he's <laughs> yeah, starting to come in now you know what happens right and one of the guys we mentioned earlier the awesome guru Rick Young was was teaching the BJJ section and I'm profoundly deaf in my left ear <laughs> so my right ear is covered up so I can't hear anything and whatever way it works in whether or not Al tags no Rick uh, in, yeah. but knowing <laughs> Rick and Rick is a very mischievous individual yeah, yeah. tell the story I'm behind great. you I've got one hook in so I've hooked my leg in um, so I'm completely behind you hands are on your back hook one leg in and at that point Rick comes over taps me on the shoulder and just gives me this little wink and so I kind of slowly lift my hook out as Rick puts his foot in I didn't even realise switch places um, and, and so now Rick has got your back but you've you and I genuinely thought you'd felt the, the change so I'm no. there kind of just stood there laughing now like, thinking you're just going along with this but didn't know that you had no idea I had no idea and then what happens is Rick goes to his back and then he ends up doing just the most beautiful transition yeah. to to an arm bar and I mean it's wonderful I'm slightly offended that you thought that you realised it wasn't me at that point because you know you know my yeah but the, the, well. no no Al's getting ahead of himself he forgets how this worked out so I'm there and all I'm doing is I'm literally gushing with admiration I'm going oh Al oh man you've got this oh dude this is awesome and as we spin I spin around and Al's standing in front of me so I'm thinking who the hell is on my back and I look around and it's Rick Young, but he's speaking into my deaf ear. So I have no idea what he's saying. So I have to turn my head the other way. And literally, I was like, that was literally, yeah. if all the years of training, yeah. I loved it because it was, of course, I'm okay at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And it was one of the things that Al used to give me a bit of grief about because he'd be at work. Yeah, but you were supposed to be at work. I was at, oh yeah, yeah, but that's I, I, I'm, beauty of being your own boss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've got bosses to answer to, so yeah. I can't just spirit myself away and train. So, so that's, my, that's my favourite story of all time. Yeah, that was good for And do you know what, Al, have a look at the timer. What have we done? Oh, we, I'm in a world of trouble now. The, the, the beautiful Louise is starving. Uh, this was going to be 30 minutes, so... And welcome to the last ever. Yeah. And actually, it's a eulogy for Al. Yeah, I'm going into retirement now. Yeah, give give Lou a big shout-out. I will do. Lou, Lou's, Lou's the one that's um, kept me straight and narrow. For, we've just passed our five-year anniversary. We've been together seven years. And uh, Lou would traipse along. She helped me proofread fence concepts. She gave me the confidence to uh, actually self-publish, which isn't like publishing. Anyone that self-publishes and tell you their book's been published, it's not. Um, that's You can just go to lulu.com now and print it, print it out. Um, she uh, she helped me distribute it. She would travel and spend countless hours in sweaty, smelly gymnasiums. Oh. She could probably teach the fence better than I can now. She's watched me teach it enough, and um, and she uh, she works incredibly hard. So yeah, as an inspiration, that's my gorgeous 
Lulu, who's now probably starving. No, Lulu, to go and get some. I must apologise. I'm so sorry, but uh, <laughs> plus you've missed Call the Midwife, which I'm feeling particularly. Hey, I don't care. Trust me, I've got that on catch up because I'm telling you, as I've said before, I'm digging this. Really digging this. Now, uh, as an aside, just like to say thank you to Louise. Uh, first of all, Al is my best friend in the world, and Louise is a very, very, very close second. And I'm going to embarrass Al now when I say this. Louise taught Al one of the biggest lessons ever. It was the first time in like over a quarter of a century of friendship that Al started to actually look at what he had instead of searching for what he yeah, didn't have. Yeah. And that's the one thing it's, she gave you. It's a story actually that, you know, from the Cratty days, I always looked right. So as a novice, our Cratty club was always lined up that the white belts would be down the left-hand end if you're facing forwards, you're looking to your right to the higher grades. Yeah. And I always say anyone that's, that's done Cratty knows that saying or would know what I mean by that. And that, you know, I'm, I'm constantly looking right. I'm constantly looking at what, what I want, what others have. Um, I'm looking right for inspiration. If I if I see someone, I'm not jealous of someone who's been who's very successful. I just want to find out how they do it. Yeah. So I'm trying to learn, but I'm looking right all the time. And Lou taught me to look left a little bit and see how far I'd come, what I'd got, um, and that was probably that was probably the yeah the I still don't I still don't listen to her like I should. Nay, um, she's too driven and not. Um, and not probably happy with my lot enough but um, there's a lesson there for all of us I guess but uh, but yeah lose the balance that shows me that that's it and you know what on that we are finished and and you have now got literally three shows so (laughs) good luck with that keep all the good bits in and so it'll be down to about 10 minutes probably (laughs) beautiful bye bye (laughs) bye thanks for listening today We have a brand new show every Friday. And on next week's show, we've got this. I had a world champion instructor. I had two arms, two legs, a head. I had a brown belt. I had everything that I needed apart from the... um, I didn't have the synergy. You can listen to all our interviews on MixedMartialArts.com. Mixed Martial Arts is a paint-your-headphones production. What?